So folks, great to have you here today. I am Pastor Chuck Blair, whether you're joining us in our studio audience here in Bernathan, Pennsylvania, or you're joining us online from wherever that might be, it's wonderful to have you here. So I wanna start with a great big good morning. <laughs> it is wonderful to have you folks here today. And in today's service, we're changing up the format of it just a little bit. We want to take a little bit of time, just a couple of short minutes to talk about New Church Live, like in general, our congregation itself, and then move into a, to a fascinating look at, at what is it about the voices that haunt us? Like, how do those voices work? And what can we do about those voices? So I want to start out just by offering an invite and just sort of a status report here with New Church Live. You know, we, uh, we said it a couple of weeks ago, we had a family meeting here at New Church Live. That was uh, the name of the sermon title. And, you know, we're coming towards the end of the fiscal year. And, and you know, it's like a lot of places, there's financial strains, as, as we are all aware. And, and I wanted to be real specific about an ask out there into the world. Again, it's, it's interesting. We had our family meeting, wonderful little service. You know, we had, we had about 95% of the congregation that day was watching online, about 5% in person. That's pretty much the norm here at New Church Live. And we do serve, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people every week, hundreds of families. And, and it's fun to watch how the rhythms work, how the rhythms work online, as well as how they work in person. And, you know, today, for example, right after this, I get to go do a baptism at somebody's house, which is, which is so much fun. And, and yesterday, you know, beautiful wedding for, for a family closely connected to New Church Live. That was a lot of fun. And we have all these things going on, and, and support is what really allows those things to happen. And it always feels a little strange as a pastor asking for financial support, frankly, and that's my own stuff. But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask for financial support as we move into this, this next phase. We're gonna go through a lot of restructuring here at New Church Live because we have to keep on evolving with the times. And as the times continue to move online more and more, we wanna both have a thriving in-person experience as well as be able to do better and better with the online things. And that takes financial resources. So what we're looking at here, folks, is we have about $190,000 to raise between now and the end of the month. And, and that's a lot of money, granted. And if you win the lottery ticket, please let me know. Uh, and and I, I wanna say, you know, we should have fun with this, folks. You know, we have, we have literally hundreds and hundreds of families who call New Church Live home. Many of them you don't know because they're all across the country. And, and yet they call, them, they call this place every bit as much home as, as those people who join here in person. So the ask is simply this. I know that for some people, they're just not in a place to give. So, so if you're not in a place to give, you can totally block your ears right now. You don't need to listen to it. You don't need to feel any guilt about this. You don't need to do anything about it, except for just take care of what you need to take care of. But I do wanna put out there just a real simple equation that's how I like to think about it. When the, when the, when the dollar amount gets overwhelming to me, which it has you know, in the past, because I'm just not a money guy, to be honest, I'd like to think of it this way. We, owe, we have $190,000 more to raise. That's 190 families giving $1,000. Now again, some families can give more, and if you can, please do. Some families can't give anything. If you can't, don't. <laughs> but that makes it a manageable number in my mind, a very manageable number, 190 families. And, and again, folks, most weeks we're probably, you know, if you just think of IPs, computer stuff for computers that watch us every week, you know, we, we sort of look at that as different families. We, we easily have many times that per week tuning into New Church Live. So that's my ask to you out there. We're gonna go through some big restructuring here, and it's not restructuring where we're gonna lose the heart of New Church Live. We're just gonna to try to tailor things in a way so that we can better serve out there into the world. And the service both is to our congregation, but folks, real importantly, the service out there is to people who are looking. I mean, I think that's what we try to do as a congregation. We try to gather and it's not about like some secret club. It's not a club at all. I know that the people I know who are great friends in this congregation are incredibly warm, giving, amazing, generous people. It's about how do we spread more of that out there into the world. In a world, in a world that so needs it. In a world that so needs it. I mean, we're struggling as a community, not, not New Church Live per se, but I just mean as a community, as a country, as a world, there's a lot of real serious struggles. 
And how, how do we become an authentic alternative? How do we actually speak into something that's different? And, and we can do that. You know, we really can do that. Why? Because we have the congregation that, that's oriented that way. So I want to make that appeal to you today. I also want to say we have a number of different things coming up at New Church Live, which you can involve yourself with. You know, so much of, of church is, is both what you trying to get us to all think together differently, pray differently, do some things differently. But it's also to get us to do some different things, some things that can really make a difference out there into the world. So these are the different things we have that you can get involved in. We've got a lot going on. Uh, you know, we have a New Church Live Ambassador program. In other words, if you're, if you're watching us from somewhere out there, you're welcome to become an ambassador. That's a lot of fun. We'll be talking more about that. We also have volunteers at St. Francis Inn. We're looking for people who'd like to volunteer there. Our next two dates are June 12th and June 27th. And we are in particularly, we can, we can fill these spots. We're particularly interested in those people who live locally who might be able to drive. That's a, that's a big specific ask. We have a lot of other things as well going on. One of the ones I'm super excited about is because I like food, is lunch with the pastor. We've done those before. We have our next lunch with the pastor is Sunday, June 18th. That will be at Bertucci's Restaurant. And again, we say this knowing most of our audience is out there online. But if you happen to be in the area, you're more than welcome to join us. We go there right after church. Again, you can see that on our website. And one I am also very excited about that's beginning in July is our summer book club. We do two or three books a year, and it's a great way to just get together and have a really rich, good conversation around life. What does life mean? How does this all work? You know, I was at a, uh, at a, at a birthday party on Friday night, and this young man sort of saddles up to me, great young man, I've known him for years, and he's like, Chuck, I just, I'm paraphrasing here. He's like, Chuck, I just, I just get this sense. There's got to be something more. Like, and I want help with, with, with that. You know, could I chat with you sometime? And to me, that's like, yes. And you can buy pizza and beer and we'll be really happy. And, and uh, you know, like, I love those conversations. I love those conversations. They're so good. We just had one this week online, and there was somebody there from Oklahoma, and somebody there from Chicago, and somebody there from Columbus, Ohio. It was wonderful. And, and that's what we want to do. I mean, these small groups really are a lot of fun, and we just run them for one hour for three weeks in a row, so it's not this big, huge commitment. You don't have to come every time. Uh, you just need to enjoy it. And we're sending you a free book, and the book that we're looking at is the book my Bright Abyss by Christian Wyman. And, and he's a wonderful Christian. And, and his, his basic point was, look, the last thing I wanted was God in my life. And that's why he calls it an abyss. But he found himself sort of drawn against his own better nature to God and, and to, a, to a involvement in church. It's a great book. It's very light. It's very fun. It's not, it's not overly serious. It's not, nothing about it is demagogic. I don't even know if that's a word but it's, it's just a really fun read. And you'd be joining people from all over the country, including people down at the shore enjoying, enjoying vacation. So all those sign-up sheets, I will have those sign-up sheets out there. You can also find all this stuff online. Yeah, folks, and that's, that's just, you know, it's, it's always this idea, right, of, of what can we do with life? What can we do with the years we have? What can we do with the institutions that we're given guardianship over? And, and I think New Church Live does a lot of wonderful, amazing things. I mean, I was just, I was sneak peeking out in the parking lot as some people come in, and these people are all best friends, and they're hugging, and you know, it's, it's great. That's what church can be about. And it can be about all those things, and then you add in purpose and meaning. And boy, something great and beautiful really takes place. So in advance, thank you for your support. In advance, thank you for your involvement. And in advance, thank you for joining me today as we start on this look at what are the voices that haunt us. So this idea of voices that haunt us, I, I think it's, 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 it's ubiquitous. We all have these voices that haunt us. And, and we kind of feel torn. And I, here's Homer Simpson, you know, a little Homer Simpson action there. You know, we look at Homer Simpson, we always feel like we got, we got two things on our shoulder, right? An angel and a devil, and those voices competing back and forth. And as we say here very often, hell shouts, heaven whispers. And I think we all know that. We all know how debilitating those voices that haunt us can be. And it's, it's amazing how quickly they can ramp up. 
and how quickly we believe them. So what I wanted to start today's service with was something a little different. Years ago, years ago, in other words, when I was about 30 pounds lighter, uh, here, here at New Church Live, we did, a, we did a wonderful little thought experiment. Literally, we did it spontaneously, looking at these voices that haunt us, and we were using the idea of head bullies. Now, head bullies would be the voices of hell, if, and some people are uncomfortable when you use the word hell, use head bullies then. Uh, and think of the head bullies as those voices in your head that just want to beat you up, want to beat you up all the time. And I want you to notice how quickly we start believing those voices and the impact that it has on us when we believe those voices. So this is a little thought experiment done right here years ago at New Church Live. Enjoy as we take a look at how head bullies work. And I want you to hear the voices of these wonderful head bullies saying again just what you said. You can start with you. Go ahead. You're not smart enough to do what you really want to do. You're not good enough. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Excellent. Let me borrow that mic. So how's that working for you, sister? I feel like I want to cry. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because here's, here's the crazy part, folks. Ready? We think those voices are us. We think those are our voices. Are those our voices? No. Those are not our voices. Could we say no? No. no. And we're going to say no, go. And I want you to say go like you mean it. Ready? No, go. Like, those aren't our voices. I mean, they're wonderful people and all, but they're not our voices. <laughs> our real voices, totally putting you guys on the spot here. Our real voices would tell us what? Rob, what would be the first thing our real voices would tell us? You actually have something useful to say. Excellent. You are good enough. You can do anything you put your mind to. How was that for you? I would love to believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah, right. And that's the choice, right? Like, that's where we're free. You're free to believe it or not. What's our vote, to believe it or not? What's our vote, folks? Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Because those are the voices of angels. Your guardian angels, those who've passed on, cheering you on. It's a different view of the straight and narrow. It's not like the straight and narrow where you get a bunch of head bullies on either side saying, be on the straight and narrow. It's the straight and narrow because they're cheering you on. The, the path is lined with hundreds of people cheering you on like your grandfather and the hundreds of people cheering, 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 cheering. That's the straight and narrow. And is that a good straight and narrow, yes or no? Yes, yes that's a beautiful straight and narrow. You are really brave. Thank you. <laughs> give her a round of applause, folks. And give these folks a round of applause. I just, I love watching that, right? Because you just look at the different places. She, she's listening to it at one place and she's saying, like, I just want to cry. She so believed the voice. Folks, this was made up. It was made up. We made it up. And she so believed those voices, she wanted to cry. And then it shifts and she hears the voices of the better angels of our nature. And did you notice what her reaction was? If only I could believe it. Ah, with chills, right? Like that's, that's spiritual dynamics at work right there. And that's why the idea of faith is so important. I mean, I mean, faith is not some intellectual construct, some affirmation to a set of theological principles. Faith is actually believing stuff. You know, that's why, again, gospel in Greek means good news. Like, it's good news. It's good stuff. God loves you. God has your back. Those other voices aren't you. The good voices are. So I want to start, I want to start as, as we get ready for our first song here. I would love to hear specifically from you, what are the voices that in particular haunt you? What are the voices that go off in your head? They may, they may be mirrored in what you just saw, 
But I would love to hear that. So as, as Emily comes out for our first song here, just feel free to text into me. Yeah, what are the voices that haunt you? And you can either throw them on the different platforms where we're live streaming right now, or you can text me at 215-740-3662. Say it again, 215-740-3662. What are the voices that haunt you? Good morning. I'm going to play a song that is about this exact thing. It is just spot on for this topic today. And it's a brand new song that I just wrote with Sherry Marcus Milano. I know you. You think that I forget, but girl, I know you. You spin around and twirl and think the motion will propel you But I am here to tell you that I know you You think about revenge, you think I'll show you Burn the candle at both ends and while you polish your pretend You play it through until the end Most times I wish I didn't But I know you See you, I know you love to hide so no one sees through The many masks you try until you find the perfect size That doesn't cover up your eyes Then you make friends with all your lies I know you, I know you, I know you I know you, I You're struggling in circles that reveal you The times when you feel worthless All those moments when you fight To come in first, to come out right You'd give anything to be right But I know you, I know you, I know you I know you, I know you, I think that it's absurd this place you go to I promise I won't say the words I told you and if you need to cry I'm here to hold you thank you eight Emily casually mentions, oh, I wrote that song. That's like hearing somebody dunk a basketball. Like, how does she do that? I mean, just, just beautiful. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, and that, that idea being known. See, here's, here's the crazy part, folks, right? And this is, this is subtle. This is subtle. I'm trying to explain it something subtle. Maybe it'll make sense. It makes sense in my head. I don't want to come out my mouth that way. But it's interesting when you look from a Christian New Church perspective, you know, what hell has to work with, what heaven has to work with. What hell has to work with, and I mean this in quotes, is your life. Hell has all this information, all the times you screwed up, including when you were 12 and you shoplifted a matchbox, just saying. There's all that information, right? Readily at its disposal. And what head bullies do, what hell does, is hell just sort of cherry picks. Boom, 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 boom. Cherry picks what your life was. God doesn't do that. I was more, I'm going to like speak badly here for a second. I was mortified when I heard a pastor once say that all our past mistakes will be played on a big screen in front of all our friends when we die. 
Like, hello, hello, hello. Jesus never did that. <laughs> never, never, never. I, it, it, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my apologies to that pastor, but hell no. So that's because that's what hell works with, right? And you think about folks, just, just, just think of, just feel what happens to your soul when you even hear that. You can just, at least for me, I just feel everything go like, ooh, ooh. Hope they don't show that year. Hell works with what our life was. Notice I'm going to use very subtly different language here. Heaven works with what life is. Not what your life was, but what life itself is. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And that's what life is. Life is this mess. Life is this blessed, broken, shared. Life is, life is good days and bad days. Life is the fact that some of you had a big argument with your partner on your way to church today. That's what life is. And somehow when we go, what life is, it holds the whole thing. And it's very different than kind of this, like this cherry picking thing that, that, that we can get into that feeds this whole idea of head bullies. And, and folks, these are, these are very real. Like, like these voices, these voices are real and they are, they are debilitating. Here are just a few examples. And again, we get these examples from, from all over, some people here in the audience, some people online, they're beautifully said. And, and I wanna say up front, like, please feel free to text me. Again, a lot of people watch these services weeks later, even months later, you can still text me in your answer. It's always interesting to hear from people. I'm haunted by doing the right things in relationships. Where does my responsibility begin and end? Are there changes I need to make that will move the relationship forward? Is the other able to make changes that may do the same or has enough become enough? Emily, you got a shout out. Emily is awesome, there you go. Uh, you won't be able to handle it. You are not growing. You are worthless, no one wants you. Something I was told repeatedly as a child. See, that's the kind of thing that makes me teary. A couple people said that. That's, that's where, yep, that information's there. Some of you were told horrible things as children. And the problem is we grow up believing that. And it's hard to get, it's very hard to get freed from that. Another congregant writes, my past makes me not worthy of a father's love, beautifully said. I'm not enough, time is running out. Your resolve is weak and you can't keep up. It's my voice echoing my parents' voice. It's another, another one, very reminiscent of the one before. My voice that haunts me, what are you doing? Why are you getting involved with this broken person? Another person, the thoughts that haunt me are that my husband doesn't care about me or truly love me. Another person, you are not worthy of enough attention, not smart enough. There's other ones we could read there, folks. Hey, that gives you a good, a good sense, you know, how, we, how we're sharing, how, we're, how much of this we share this experience. And I want to read from you a story that deals about, about demonic possession. Now, now, in a Christian New Church perspective, we don't believe in demonic possession, that people can be possessed by, by demons. I think that ended a long time ago. But I think demonic thoughts, like, like thoughts from hell, in other words, the dark, dark thoughts can come to actually capture our mind. And I think you know that, right? You, I'm sure all of us in here have had an experience where like the dark thought just caught us. And we've lived in that thought maybe for a minute, maybe for an hour, maybe for a day, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, maybe for a lifetime. So, so hear this story in that, in that way. And by the way, in, in pastoring line of work, this is, this is a sort of a fun word to say, is this is called the story of the demoniac. So that's kind of an interesting word, demoniac. So this is the story of the demoniac. This is from Luke 8, verse, starting at verse 26. Jesus and the disciples sailed to the region of Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man. That's the demoniac from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of the voice, top of his voice, 
What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. And we're going to look at that line. Jesus asked him, this is where the story flips, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into them, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demon begged Jesus to let the demons let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Now, that's a pretty, pretty darn dramatic pretty darn dramatic story. You know, here's this man who's possessed. Jesus sort of calls out this, this demon. This demon says, my name is Legion. By the way, as a history guy, that's a little play on words. Israel at that time was occupied by the Roman legions. So there's a reference there to sort of the, the Roman occupation. Uh, and then the demons all flee into a herd of pigs. Pigs in Jewish tradition were unclean animals, just FYI. So it would not have been, that they would have gotten that symbolism if you're reading this and you were Jewish and they run into the sea and self-destruct. And, and there's lots of ways. I mean, we can look at that very literally, but I think there's, there's, a deeper, there's a deeper truth in it that we can start to look at that really can offer us some pieces into our lives in terms of taking a look at how some of this might work and how, how maybe we can start to get over these voices that haunt us. The first that I love, I love this particular line, driven by the demon into solitary places. When those voices get a hold of us, think how rarely we seek out other people. When those voices get a hold of us, think how frequently we isolate. I bet you do that, because I know I do. <laughs> and I certainly witness it all the time. I think we all do. When those voices, when those head bullies really start to go, we tend to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. Imagine going into a group of people and the head bullies are really going wild. New group of people you've never, you've never met before. Just one simple head bully conversation, I am not enough, will probably keep you from introducing yourself to anyone in that room. And will probably land you at the buffet one too many times because you can do that safely. I think that's, how, that's what it's talking about here. We, we have to be able to see that, right? That yeah, we're... We're, we're driven into those solitary places. Because folks, and this is, this is absolutely critically clear, and I don't, I, don't think, I don't think anybody will be surprised by what I'm about to say. This is a piece of Christian New Church theology, and it says this, to be in hell is to be governed by fear. To be in hell is to be governed by fear. When we are feared up, that fear of not being enough, that fear of running out of time, that, that fear of did what mom and dad say, was it, was it actually true? All those fears, which are very real. I don't want to sort of, I mean, it's, it's like this morning, I just <laughs> read someone just like, oh, just get rid of your fear. I'm thinking, good luck. You know, wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? It's not that easy, but at least we can identify it and we can understand that those voices of deep fear, most of the time, not all the time, they are coming from hell. I mean, if you're in a house and the house is on fire and you're afraid, that's not a voice coming from hell. But if you're in a situation and you just find your life getting smaller and smaller and smaller, driven by fear, driven by worry, driven by head bullies, you know those voices. You are being driven by fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect, in the Jewish tradition, means winter, spring, summer, fall. A love that can deal with seasons, a, a, whole, a wholeness love, a love that holds it all. That's what drives out fear. But fear will still drive us, and we get a chance again and again to, to just take a pause and go like, yeah, I'm being driven by fear right now. I think, folks, when we look at this, we can see fears and we can see maybe how they grow out. And this is, this is like so tricky. Fears oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes they're driven by a level of self-absorption. And that's hard to let go of. Hard to let go of. And I'm not necessarily talking like over-the-top narcissism. 
I imagine for many of us, again, we, to go back to that analogy, we step into a group of people who we don't know. And we start to go into that group. And instead of thinking, oh, my job, right? Jesus says our job is to love the Lord our God and the person right in front of us. Instead of coming from that, I step into it or we step into it. And what we're thinking about, boy, I wonder what they think about me. I think we start asking that question, I wonder what they think about me. Boy, that is like going like, send me some head bullies. <laughs> because your life has a bunch of situations where people did not answer that well. And I, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have the information where, where other people did not answer that question well in your mind. So that, that self-absorption can, can really start to become very debilitating when we get more and more concerned about how we look and, and how it's going to play out and how do we fit in and do we fit in and all these things. That's a tough place to be. And it's a very different thing, like the opposite of it, self-absorption, mutual love. We are called over here, the, the opposite of self-absorption is mutual love. That's what we're called to do. We're called to this place of, of deep mutuality, deep mutual love, because that's where there starts to be reciprocity. It's just, this is a little hard to describe. It, it's, it's where life gets so fascinating when we start to look at what other people love and we start to ask them. I mean, you start asking other people about what they love, what they find interesting. Even something as boring as golf can all of a sudden become incredibly interesting. Because they love it. And you start sharing that mutual love. It's no longer a self-absorption, what do they think about me? It's much more about a mutual love where we share. And we connect. And we start to find these, these deeper and deeper friendships. See, because the problem is, folks, you know, fear, fear will lead to distortions all the time. When we run our life through fear, Distortion, distortion, distortion happens. And that's why, you know, as quoting, quoting to someone yesterday, Abraham Lincoln famously said, there's far more fear than there is danger. Far, think about that. There's far more fear than there is danger. We've all catastrophized, right, many times. And sometimes those catastrophes do occur, but not 100% of the time. Fear will have you believe that whatever those dangerous things are will happen 100% of the time, and they don't. Hell then, folks, as it gets driven into these distortions, gets driven by this fear, we see this flow start to take place where we have the fear, we have the distortion, and then that leads to actions or inactions. This is a bad formula just so you know. And I think we all know that. It's not a great formula. It does not help us at all. And with remembering with this, folks, like what, what hell is interested in is hell is very interested in keeping us in the problem. Hell is very interested in us taking the problem and just turning it around over and 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 over again. I would imagine most of us in here have had that experience where this little problem gets in our head, the fears start, the head bullies start, and it's almost impossible to break out of it. We start to create a whole world around that, an anticipatory world. We're sure the way the world is going to look. The problem is, folks, again, it continues to keep grabbing that content, and we need to remember we're always going to lose because all that fear and anxiety, so important, right? All that fear and anxiety wants is to be fearful and anxious. Think about that. That's all it wants. When we get really afraid, really anxious, it doesn't necessarily want a solution. I'm talking about hell here, not personalizing it. Because once we get, once we get down and hell gets us to become more and more self-absorbed, and here I don't think it's necessarily narcissism. I think it's the accidental narcissism of pain and worry. It gets us to close down 
And then ready for this, folks, we don't move. We get stuck. We get frozen. We seek out only solitary places. That's not where we find the spiritual life. That's not where we find growth. And that's not where we find each other. I mean, even, even yesterday, folks, you know, thinking about this, I was privileged to be able to do some little work. There's a big fair called the June Fate Fair, and I was over helping do a big setup for it. And it's this whole group of volunteers, like must have been, I'm gonna guess, 75 volunteers there helping to set it up. And they're getting it set up in what feels like minutes, even though it was hours. And just watching that process, watching that doing, watching all those things. And in the morning, frankly, I didn't want to do it. I would rather just be sitting at home reading or something, but just taking those actions, taking those steps. And when we do that kind of stuff, it reminds us we're made in God's image and likeness and things start to shift. So when we come back, I want to take a look at this question. How can we stop the conversation? How can we put an end to the voices that haunt us how can we maybe say no to the head bullies that oftentimes are running our lives? All right, here's a, another original song, and it's based on um, a string of affirmations that, are, that can be really helpful to combat the negative voices that we have. And there's only a few words to the song, so if you find yourself catching on, because it's going to repeat many times, um, feel free to try to internalize those affirmations and sing along, even, if you feel like it. I am worthy, I am prosperous, I am enough, oh, I am Here it comes again, the same exact words. I am worthy, I am prosperous, I am enough, oh I am beautiful, I am powerful, I am gifted, I more time just for good measure. I am worthy, oh I am prosperous, I am enough, oh I am beautiful, I am powerful, I am gifted, I Just got me a little kaflumped backstage hearing that song. Yeah, I just think that's, that's, how God, that's how God sees you. And just think about that. It was, just, it was interesting. Again, text messages have continued coming in, and, and somebody wrote, yeah, this head bully, you can't finish any of your great ideas. God's more excited about your great ideas than you finishing them all. Just saying, right? 
Like there's just something a little different. And, and the beauty of all this, folks, like that's God seeing you. So, so how is it? What might be some answers to, to how we can stop these voices? Well, well, one, you've heard me say this many, many, many times because it's so beautiful. And this, this is from Pope Francis. It deals right with Emily's song, fits it perfectly. Pope Francis said, people oftentimes come to him and said, oh, Father, I, I wish I had your faith. You know, wish I, I had the faith that you have. And his response is not a big, like, theological argument. You know what his response is? Let God look at you. Think about that. It's exactly what Emily was singing about. He said, just let God look at you. That's the key to faith. Wow, that's a great answer. Beats the whole screen projection answer. There's beauty in that, folks. We start to see that. And then, and then there's this piece, too. I want to offer this to you. We live in a very thought-oriented oriented culture. And this morning, one of our congregants posted something, and it was a heart and a brain. <laughs> and the brain's all depressed, and the heart's like, let me give you a hand. And, and there's really some deep truth to that. Maybe you need to do this. Maybe you need to stop thinking. That doesn't mean be thoughtless. Be thoughtful. But maybe you just need to stop thinking. Is thinking in some arenas, in some arenas, is thinking not your friend anymore? Probably there are some arenas where thinking is not your friend. Talk to someone about that. Share that with someone. Yeah, this is where thinking's not my friend. And then maybe even consider not thinking anymore. Again, that's where doing can really shift things. Doing will take you out of that in a second. And if you just, if you just need a little biblical line, uh, Ken, one of our camera operators, and I were talking about this before the service today. We're talking about this beautiful line. This is the day the Lord has made. Got it? God made this day. We, communally, will rejoice. And the word rejoice can mean to take joy in. And I love this other definition in Greek. can also mean thrive. We will rejoice and be glad. And in my favorite part, in it. In it, like here's the day, today, this Sunday, I can rejoice and I can thrive in it. I can't thrive the day after that. I can't thrive yesterday, it was too cold, but I can thrive in it and thrive right today. There's great wisdom in that that I think probably all of us, probably all of us get. And the story, it's interesting with this biblical story because the story starts to turn when, it, when the question gets asked, what is your name? What is your name? And when we, when we, see, Jesus, when we see Jesus asking these questions, you know, I, I think there's, there's two different ways to hold it. One is sort of when we, when we cast Jesus in kind of like this scolding school teacher, always around moralizing. Jesus was not that. Folks, ready for this? Jesus broke the rules all the time. That's why he's breaking the Sabbath rules all the time. Because while he had respect for the rules, he knew that the rules were a means to an end. They were a booster rocket to help you get started, but they weren't the rocket itself. And we have to be so aware of, of how that can work, folks, and, and, and how that maybe can can take place, and, and with, with Jesus, it's this consistent thing of, of how are we gonna view him from that real, from that real negative, austere, moralizing, finger-wagging perspective, or are we gonna see him more from the perspective of a loving teacher or a loving coach? Now, we think about a loving teacher, loving coach, rabbi means teacher. You know, the, the teachers who loved you the most they, they asked you to do stuff. That coach you had, who was your favorite baseball coach, he asked you to do some stuff. He pushed you or she pushed you because they saw something in you. They, they, they saw you as more than just who you currently were. They, they saw you for who you were and they were like, oh yeah, and I also see that you can do this. And that this was an arm's, was an arm's length reach. There's a voice to listen to. 
And that's why I think when we look at this line, again from this story, where, where Jesus asked the demoniac, what is your name? We could look at that two ways. We could look at that sort of like a bad rerun from the Exorcist movie. What is your name? Be out, demon. You know, that kind of thing. But, or we could just see it as just Jesus with a smile and with love for someone who didn't know love. Just Jesus going, son, what's your name? What's your name? And Jesus knew that. It's a rhetorical question. Now, of course, we see in the story, Legion rises up. We see all these distorted voices coming, rushing to the floor. And that's what happens. We know that happens in life. But that, I don't think that's who Jesus was really trying to hear from. I think he was trying to hear from the deeper person way underneath all that. Because Jesus is constantly trying to separate us from the voices of fear and the voices of distortions. Folks, that's why in the New Testament, he doesn't pick a bunch of winners to be his followers. He picks a bunch of losers. People who knew nothing but fear and distortion in their life. Because that's where he tends to do his best work. In them and in us. Because that's where we can understand it and maybe, maybe see it even more clearly. What is your name? And I love this line, ancient line from Isaiah, Isaiah 43. But now this says the Lord who created you, Jacob, and formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. There's occasionally in New Church Live, you know, there's, I'm going to step aside here a minute because I really want everybody to fully take this in. There's occasionally at New Church Live, you know, where it just strikes me where, where there are some passages that just should be just totally on our heart. Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't hear this just as like in our ears. We should hear this with our full bodies. But now thus says the Lord who created you, Jacob, and formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Notice it's not saying will and it's not saying might. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. That's what Jesus is enacting here. That's what we see Jesus doing. There's a beautiful scene. Many of you have commented to me watching the, the, the series that's gotten a lot of acclaim, the series The Chosen. Beautiful series. You can watch it online. It's about the life of Jesus. And I like it because I think it's one of the first times I've seen a smiling, joking Jesus, which is, I think, exactly who Jesus was. And this is a story, this is part of it they take, and it's, it's Jesus call, calling Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, you'll hear that reference there, who in, in, in Christian tradition was, was seen as somebody engaged in prostitution. We don't see that in the Bible. That's just the traditional understanding of her. And they kind of take that traditional understanding of her as well as stories about her, as well as this particular line from Isaiah. And we see Jesus, you know, calling her by her name and changing her life because he calls her by her name. Because he calls her by her name. So it's a brief clip. Take a look and just think and just notice what happens when we really allow the Lord to call us by our name. Lieben Verlotten. Mary. Mary of Magdala. says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. 
I mean, I've seen that a bunch, and it still, still gets me teared up. You know, because you just get that sense, right? And, and, and we can talk, folks, right? And you just, that's the, that's the experience I imagine, the story of the demoniac, that's how it ends. Just like that. That's how our story ends in a certain sense. Now, not ends as in like chronologically ends, but, but when it talks ends in the Bible, it's talking the purpose. That's where we get the end of it. Made in God's image and likeness. Image bearers of God. Not God, of course not. But image bearers of God. Angels in training. All walking each other home. Whatever line you want to use. Friends, just, I mean, what if you really let God call you by your name? Not who you think you are. Not who maybe parents in bad moments told you you were or other people told you you were. But who you are. Who you were created to be. That you are redeemed. You have nothing to fear. God has you. What if we live in that place? Instead of who we think we are, that is so much the language fed by head bullies, but who we actually are, which are the voices fed by God and the angels. What does that feel like? What does that look like? And then think how you act out of that place. It's just such a different, it's such a paradigm shift in life when we're rid of the voices that haunt us. And friends, it doesn't have to be perfect because it never is. <laughs> it just never is. This is always about progress, not perfection. You're gonna be driven by fear. I'm gonna be driven by fear probably a dozen more times today. But the beautiful part about God is we're always invited back to who we really are. Here's the way Thomas Merton put it in a beautiful, beautiful prayer. This is Thomas Merton, written in the 1960s. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean I'm actually doing so. I love this next line, folks. But I believe, I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Mm, beautiful prayer by Thomas Merton. So friends, today, just take some time to let God look at you. Take some time to allow God to call you by your name, who you really are. Take some time to just put those voices aside and to just live into the image and likeness that you know, that, that others know, how others see you, how others hold you. Like, live into that for a minute. And just watch, folks. Watch the peace that grows from there. And most importantly, as always, watch the love that grows from that place. Amen.
What we're going to do now to close the service is, is I just want to take, I mean, that video still has me like, woo. So, so I just ask, let's just all take a big breath together. And a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the message we are able to share, the community we are able to build, and the lessons we are able to learn. Help us, Lord, this week to allow you to look at us for maybe for us to see ourselves as you see us, and maybe even this, to take that gift and pass it on to see others in the same way. And in so doing, to quiet the head bullies, to still those voices that haunt us, to allow us to instead draw closer and closer to you, closer and closer to each other, closer and closer to the better angels of our nature. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom to do that. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Here's a song by the Philly songwriter, Amos Lee. Some days I can't get myself out the box. Some days I can't find keys to any locks. Some days I feel like it's all overblown. And then I look at you and I don't feel so alone And I say, hey, let your little light shine Let your little light shine For the world to see Hey, let your little light shine Let your little light shine For the world to see Some days I can't get myself out the race And all that cold wind blows right in my face Some days I feel like I'm against the wall But then I look at you standing strong and tall against it all Hey, let your little light shine Let your little light shine For the world to see For the world to see Now I'm gonna keep on looking for the stars In the sky I'm gonna keep on looking for the stars yeah. I'm gonna keep on looking for the stars In the sky I'm gonna keep on looking for the stars Hey, let your little light shine let your little light shine for the world to see. Hey, let your little light shine. Let your little light shine for the world to see. And I say, hey, let your little light shine. Let your little light shine for the world to see. Hey, let your little light shine. Let your little light shine for the world to see. Thank you, everybody.
Have a great week. And uh, yeah, let your little light shine. And happy Pride Month to everybody, too. Hey.